Welcome back, everyone, to the podcast. It's Andre here from Depression Prevention, and I'm here with Professor Ricardo Munoz from Palo Alto University and the University of California in San Francisco. Now, Ricardo, you gave a talk, and you had a headline message, which was that we can prevent 50% of all new episodes of major depression. Tell us how that's possible. Yes. Well, I think the first thing that we need to say is that back in 1984, there was a, uh, an article by the National um, uh, Institute of Mental Health in the U.S. that said depression cannot be prevented. That was ni- back in 1984, so the, the field has changed tremendously since then. We have uh, many randomized controlled trials for prevention of depression now, and we have evidence that in strict randomized controlled trials, which are you know, very scientifically rigorous studies, we can now prevent 50% of new onsets of major depression. So our task now is to implement that knowledge and to get that out as broadly as possible uh, at a national level, even at a global level. Uh, the uh, National Academies uh, uh, of Science, Engineering, and Medicine of the United States just came out a re- with a report in September of, uh, of this year, of 2019, in which they make a similar kind of argument that we now have a lot of knowledge about preventing uh, mental disorders and promoting uh, healthy mental, emotional, and behavioral development. And that our task now is to implement the knowledge and to scale it up so that we can reach many, many people. We have a lot of uh, evidence-based treatments uh, for depression and for other mental disorders, but the prevalence of depression in our communities is not going down. We have to try something beyond treatment. And prevention would be one thing that may help us. We need to find out. Uh, and so we need to implement it and scale it up as much as possible. And you've said before when asked, what would you focus on? Who would you focus on? That mothers with postnatal depression is a really key population for you. Why is that? Uh, women who are pregnant or have just given birth are at high risk for developing postpartum depression or what's called also perinatal depression, which is depression during pregnancy or postpartum. Uh, And uh, so if we could prevent that, uh, we would be helping the women tremendously, obviously, to reducing their suffering and so on. But what's wonderful if we could do that is we could also protect the baby from the sequelae of the mother being depressed. Because when the mother is depressed, uh, she doesn't have the energy to be as good a mother as she could be without the depression. And the baby uh, begins to uh, act in ways that are uh, low mood ways because the baby is learning from the mother you know, how to feel even. Uh, so uh, there's evidence now that it can actually have impact on the way the, the baby develops uh, cognitively um, and how the baby learns and then even at school. Um, so if we could prevent depression in the mother, we could prevent these negative problems in the baby as well. So what I would do if I had to make a choice as to what to do is I would uh, implement depression prevention programs for all the women who are pregnant everywhere to try to prevent the 50% that I think we can prevent now. And for women who become depressed, 
then treat the depression as soon as possible, you know, so that they could be free of the depression as soon as possible. But if we could prevent 50% of cases, we should do that, right? And then what I would do also is to keep a record, an epidemiological record of what's happening with those mothers and those babies. So we could create a cohort of like all the children born in 2020, right? And uh, we would have half of the uh, depression in the mothers, say if we did this for the whole country or the whole world even, uh, and then see what happens with those children as they grow up and whether they have lower levels of problems at school, lower levels of depression as they get into puberty, which is when depression usually just bursts. I mean, with uh, young women, women in puberty, uh, that's when depression begins to go really high. With boys, it's about half as high, but boys develop substance abuse and they get into problems, you know, uh, uh, behavioral problems and so on. So. Uh, we might be able to actually prevent that in the children whose mothers didn't become depressed. Um, and then when they are getting ready to have babies in their late teens or early 20s, it would be really interesting to see whether the level of depression in, in them is also lower. So we might have a three-generational kind of effect. You know, we could help the mother to prevent depression, the baby who's going to be born, and then that baby's babies when they have babies. So it could have a massive impact. We could, we could see whether that cohort does better than the cohorts before them who didn't get that kind of prevention. Wouldn't that be amazing if we could do that? It would. It would. So when Simon Gilbert introduced you, he said um, you've been one of the inspirational characters uh, behind this whole depression prevention movement, publishing classic papers since the 1970s. Um, and you had a lot of that historical perspective in your keynote. And one of the things you came back to again and again was the fact that we've known a lot about the relationship between poverty and depression for many decades, but we haven't done anything about it. And now is the time to do something about it. So tell us something about that. Well, the uh, people who got the Nobel Prize this year uh, the, uh, the, in the economics had been doing randomized controlled trials to see if they could reduce poverty. That is amazing, I mean, that we're actually doing that, and they've been finding very good effects. I think this is the beginning of a long uh, period of work in this area. But I think the economists who are doing this kind of active uh, intervention in terms of poverty, and the mental health professionals who have been doing this work on prevention of depression should join forces uh, and see if we could focus on individual in, uh, interventions, which is what we mental health professionals have focused on for 30 plus years now. Uh, and again, that could reduce about 50% of new cases. And if we could work with the economists who are doing these large-scale randomized trials to reduce poverty, maybe the combination of those two things could get us way beyond the 50%. Because poverty does have an impact on your sense of self-efficacy, on your sense of helplessness and hopelessness that, is, that are key aspects of depression. If, if we could help people to shape their lives in areas that they can shape individually by the way they think, how that affects their internal world, hope, you know, uh, a sense of uh, enjoyment of life, all those things. And then the outside stuff, the, the behavioral part uh, of uh, how they spend their day, do they exercise, do they eat well, do they sleep uh, long enough, do they have contact with other people that are 
pleasant and energizing as opposed to demoralizing. You know, those things, we can teach people to do those things and that will help a lot. But if you're really, really poor and you don't have a lot of choices, I don't think those individually focused things are enough. We gotta focus on the, on the environment and how the environment affects how you feel. Really inspirational work. Thank you so much for sharing it with me at the end of the day here. A pleasure. Thank you.